this is my friend, brother, kind of a father also, um, for a lot of years now. I don't even know how many years since I was a teenager. Yep. This is Doug Virgil. Um, uh, Doug Virgil was a, you were a convert to the RLDS, right? Originally. Yes, I was. How long ago was that? Or uh, Back in the very early 1980s. So I think we were baptized in 81, 82, somewhere in that vicinity. Okay. And I was in the same congregation as you. Yes. We were both in the same little church in Sanford, Michigan. And so I've... I have frequently quoted you on the podcast from time to time, sometimes mentioning your name, sometimes not, but um, I was a teenager when I first knew you. Um, you were an elder in the church, I believe, and uh, so one of our ministers, very passionate one, I, I noticed that right away, it seemed like someone who had been converted into the church had a lot more passion than someone who was just born and raised. Okay. <laughs> I know you had a zeal for the Lord and for study. And every Sunday afternoon after church, we'd have these study classes at your house. Yes. After church. Those were, that was a good time. Yes. So, uh, wasn't too much longer after that. And I think the, uh, when the uh, split in the RLDS happened, remember what we did after that we got our doors locked on us didn't we so we, um, the last Sunday that we were there we knew that we would be leaving uh, and we'd already lined up a, probably either a school or a school gymnasium I think it was yeah school gymnasium could have been uh, we already lined up that and we knew that uh, you know, this would be our last meeting at the church per se, uh, because I was getting into trouble with the authorities of the church, and uh, and and because of all the changes that were being made, uh, really being forced on us, um, because the authorities had told me that I was to stick my spoon in the soup and stir it slowly to acclimate the congregation to the changes that were coming. And I didn't do that. So slowly make a few changes here and there and just hopefully we don't notice it. Yes. Or do it easily so that they get used to it. Yeah. And, uh, and I refused to do that. And I called for a congregational meeting and told the congregation what was going on, what they wanted me to do, and informed them at that time of what my plans were as far as leaving. Um, and so, because I wanted everything transparent. Yeah. So. Yeah, I remember that meeting. Uh, we met at a school building for, I don't know if it was a whole year, uh, but it was a little while anyway. Yes. And uh, eventually... Uh, built our own building. Yes. Um, 
Now, Sanford, when you first started there, how many people were going to the Sanford congregation? Eight, maybe. Eight, maybe. The, okay. uh, the pastor at the time was uh, Bob Wilson. And uh, so there was a couple of his kids. When we came the first Sunday that we were there, uh, might have been the first Sunday that we ever visited, they were having a business meeting that day. Oh. And so they had no church services. So the next Sunday that we went, uh, there was nothing for the children. And so Bob's wife, Barb, uh, told us that the following Sunday that there would be Sunday school for the kids. And so that's how it started out. It's about okay. eight, eight people. And by the time they closed the doors on us, changed the locks, we had, uh, what, about how many people? We had 120 people on an average. 120. Center. Yeah. And I remember we'd got some uh, recognition from the World Church. We did. Um, the World Church wanted to come in and uh, ascertain why uh, we had shown true sustained growth over a period of three years. So that didn't mean baptizing children of existing members, but that it meant baptisms of people that were coming in that were you know, strangers to the restoration. Yeah, Con converts. Yes. Yeah. So and they never got to do that study because they kicked us out first. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. They, yeah. Uh, I think the other one was uh, something about the best tithing of any congregation, or tithing rate or, you know, number of... Every every metric that they wanted to measure, we were yeah. running at the, at, at the top, and it, which is why they wanted to come in. So since I never did get to conduct that study, why do you think that congregation grew like it did? We were... Uh, you know, I would. I was pastor at the time, um, and one of the things that I ascertained or determined was that it was important that we had uh, good, solid, biblical teachings. Yeah. And so I would, you know, look far and wide. I mean, I brought people in from Missouri, and I brought people in from all over Michigan, and I brought people in. You know, on a regular basis, at we least had a one guest, Sunday. A guest minister one once every once a month at least. Once right? a month, we had a guest minister in, mm -hmm. and uh, and we analyzed, you know, what they were doing, what they were preaching, and besides the the groundwork that I had done, trying to make sure that who we were bringing in was going to bring in good biblical teaching. Yeah. And so that's what we concentrated on. Our second area of concentration was to have a good Sunday school program uh, for the kids through the adults. And so those two things, starting with a congregation that was very small, uh, enabled us to, to build. Yeah. Uh, are you familiar? Have you seen any of the Gary Hawley interviews? I've watched probably 99% of them. So one of the, at the very top of the teachings that this messenger had given him was his words that God initiates all growth, all spiritual growth. And 
I guess I wonder, did God have a plan for Sanford? We were growing. Uh, people were growing. I don't, I don't necessarily want to say the numbers mm -hmm. mattered. Yeah. But we saw the growth in the individuals. The spiritual growth first, and then, and then the and numbers then I came. drew people because yes. they could feel the spirit. So I, you know, I think back about it, and I realize I think a lot of this was God's doing. Oh, absolutely. Uh, he brought you in. That was part of God, God's doing, and other people. Um, some are with us now, and some that aren't. But uh, uh, we also end up investigating and becoming a part of another organization, church organization, that I've mentioned some people are curious about, um, that not much of it left anymore, really, no. called Church of Christ Restored. That was a organization of mostly Michigan congregations that have left the RLDS and, yes. and came together. We had some in some other states, but that was mostly Michigan. Um, and we spent a lot of years there. Yes. S still sort of associated in some way, shape, or form, I guess. Uh, Fringe. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the guest ministry, I was just recognizing or remembering, because um, some of the listeners uh, are familiar with Dick Bauman's videos. Yes. And he was one of the guests that you brought in. Yes. And that was an interesting experience. That was an interesting experience. Probably not all of us were really ready to receive what he was sharing with us. Yeah, when he came in, uh, we had been looking at Zionic conditions. Yeah. And uh, Dick had done uh, probably a fairly extensive exploration uh, of Zionic conditions and what Zion might look like. When he came into the Sanford congregation, he had moved on from that and was looking extensively at the Godhead. Okay. And uh, and so he mentioned the first time that first time that he spoke, uh, we, your grandfather, myself, and maybe my counselors at the time took him aside and said, "That's not why we brought you here." Yeah. You know, we wanted to look at Zionic conditions and what we needed to do in our own lives to um, basically engage in that. And uh, he said, boy, I haven't taught that in you know, a year or so, and that's not what I'm doing now. But I said, well, you can't switch gears and go back to there. <laughs> um, yeah. This series that we're anticipating doing is done. And he... He did. He shifted gears and went back on. And, uh, you know, really, I think he helped to de develop a, a, a vision of what Zion could be. Okay. And really, that's what we were looking for. Because, uh, you know, I just remember the scripture that says, without vision, the people perish. Did he communicate? I'm trying to remember, but did he communicate uh, about problems crept into the church? Um Potential issues with the Doctrine and Covenants and things? No, I don't believe so. No, okay. That's yeah. been so long. That was a long time ago. Oh, that so was I, a long time yeah. ago. Yeah. I, I remember he did share some things where definitely were controversial. When he's speaking about the Godhead, that's... Yeah. Uh, well, that would have been a big controversial one for my grandma. 
Oh, yes. <laughs> and, and many people in the congregation. Yeah, I mean, our LDS had a tradition of how they viewed. Well, when you, when you look back at the, you know, the vision in the grove. Yeah. That kind of fostered that whole uh, argument about the Godhead. Yeah. Well, we and, had pamphlets at the church, and there was always the version that was written in Nauvoo where there's two personages and one pointing to the other. And that would definitely set you on a certain way of thinking about something, oh, doesn't it, I guess? The, the trajectory <laughs> there that was really deep-seated. Yeah. I mean, um, Judy, my current wife, uh, her sister, you know, I went in and talked about the Godhead that, you know, all, all of creation has been made to reveal God in some way, shape, or form. And so I would always bring up the example about water. Yeah. You know, what is the chemical composition of water? H2O. Well, what about steam? H2O. How about ice? H2O. Yep. Oh, and her sister just got angry <laughs> with me because we used something out of creation yeah. that was the same and yet different. Yeah. And so... But yes, people hung on to that, and it has caused division in the church, which you know makes me extremely sad. Yeah. But I learned, well, besides several other things, I learned a valuable lesson coming out of uh, Jacob, the third chapter, that says, no man knows the ways of God, save it be revealed to him. Yeah, amen. And I, I wish I would have learned that lesson yeah. early in my ministry. Uh, would have brought me a lot more peace. And it does have to be revealed. It can't just be told. No, it cannot. I mean, if someone tells you the straight truth, you you don't really receive it until you get your own revelation. And that's just the way it is. And that's why we have to be careful about contending over things. We have to plant a seed, and that's all you do. The Lord takes yes. it from there. And if that person is wanting to really seek it out, or the Lord can... Do something with that seed and grow something. If it's the right kind of ground, then it'll it'll take care of itself in time. Yeah, we cannot force it, yeah. and that's and you said something I think that is equally important is that are you hungering and thirsting after righteousness? Yeah. Are you hungering and thirsting after additional knowledge about God? Yeah, because without that hunger and thirst, it's just going to fall on you know. It's not good ground. Yeah, you you have to be proactive. Ask, seek, and knock, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, in this Church Christ Restored, on some people's part, I think they were trying to rebuild the RLDS church, right? Absolutely. And I think that was the struggle all through the years, was between those who thought this is the new RLDS and everyone needs to come join us, and those of us who held to something that was actually written in our bylaws, <laughs> yeah. which was that the Church of Christ Restored is a small yet significant part of the body of Christ. Part of part. the body of Christ. Absolutely. Um, and that was always a battle, I think. Well, I think that, you know, and that battle was fostered by a, uh, I think, a misinterpretation of Doctrine and Covenants Section 1. Yep. You know, this is the only church upon the face of the earth with which I am, you know, well-pleased. Yeah, exactly. And so there was people that grabbed a hold of that and mm -hmm. identified that we are it. 
yeah, it was a wake-up call for me. My eyes were open to the fact that that isn't necessarily a wrong thing to be said, that it, God did speak that. But he was speaking before there was ever, the church was even organized. Ever organized. And and it, the church existed before Joseph came along. It was in the wilderness. But it was just all those people who hearkened to the voice of the Lord. And it always has been. It continues to be that way. Well, and you identified with, you know, regardless of what faction of the of the restoration movement that you're a part of, it, it, it appeals to the individual's desire to want to be right. Yeah. Yeah. It, definitely the natural man is going to be a, excited about the idea that you're in the one true church. Yeah. You know. And then you want to defend it. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, and you feel free to, you don't have to answer every question I ask. You can always decline, but um, you eventually end up holding position of apostle in the church of christ restored i did um which is the highest position in the church of christ restored we never did have a prophet or a presidency Correct. per se um so in our church it's kind of odd because was, the elders quorum was essentially the highest governing body yes because we never had a, a full quorum of apostles um you step aside from that role yes, of apostle. Do. do you want to speak to that at all? Okay, I've been divorced twice. Uh, the first time uh, my wife left, left me because she told me that she no longer loved me and wanted out and wanted to, was unwilling to get any counseling um, and left. Um, and so I was single for a couple of years and then uh, I met a black lady uh, who was director of a Martin Luther King choir, which I joined because I like music and like to sing. And eventually she and I uh, got married. And uh, we were married for about 11 years. And it turned into be a, an abusive relationship that it got to the point where I couldn't handle it anymore. And so I left. And at that time, I felt that it was appropriate that I relinquish any priesthood credentials that I had. And so I did. And yet, the first time was not your choice. Correct. The second time was an abusive marriage. And... And I remember the Lord himself gave me a message to give to you that he had released you from that. So, but you still struggle with sense of worthiness, I guess. Yes, absolutely. Because I hadn't felt like I lived up to the scriptural um, standards, I guess I'll call it that, uh, that God placed on us. And you, I felt like I left you know, I let God down. You always had a, a very high bar that you set for yourself <laughs> and others. Um, very, very high uh, in my estimation and most people's. Um, even so, worthiness aside, um, you don't have to answer this question, but do you really think there are apostles in the church today that we know of? 
It's a good question. Uh, God placed apostles in the church for a very specific reason. I mean, those who are sent. And um, to try to identify those today, you know, the scriptures talk about trying those who call themselves apostles. Yep. And I think that that's, you know, that's worthy to be done. So, yes, I do believe that he's going to have additional apostles. Yeah. And, uh, and probably, you know, I think that the composition of the priesthood today and the expectations out of those offices are going to change. Because rather than being leaders, the priesthood in, at large is going to be servants. I mean, Jesus really set the example when he girded himself and, and washed his disciples' feet. And we need to learn that this isn't a leadership position. This is a step into servanthood. And if you're going to take that step into servanthood, then you can't take it as a position of leadership. But truly learn to gird ourselves and to serve people. Yeah. Man. Well, so uh, I have a memory of a certain apostle in our church, and we were at a reunion church camp, uh, camping. We're all camping out, right? And it's on a campgrounds, and uh, there was a, a notice that all priesthood were to wear ties. And I remember this priest, <laughs> I remember this, this apostle uh, whom I looked up to showing up for the service wearing a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> yeah, I got into <laughs> trouble for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were, we were applauding you on. <laughs> we were cheering it on. Uh. <laughs> Well, the proper dress for a priesthood is servant's robe. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, so I guess I'd like to ask you this question, and, and this, this can mean whatever you want it to mean. But what is your testimony? Uh -huh. My testimony came about... Um, I was not a good person. Let's just put it that way. I wasn't true to myself. I wasn't true to anybody else. Uh, really didn't care. Uh, some of the habits that I picked up were not good. Uh, I was a rebel. Just pure and simple. And uh, But I had two children. And as the children came along, I wanted to be able to give to them a God that I had not been given. I mean, I was, I was born and raised in a Protestant church. And um, when it came time, uh, my mother came to me and wanted to know when I was going to get the kids baptized. And I told her at the time, I said, I'm not. Uh, the kids are going to have to make that decision for themselves. Yeah, because I don't, well, you need to go talk to the leadership of the church. And I said, I already know what the leadership of the church thinks, because yeah. uh, I was born and raised there. Yeah, what church was that? 
Uh, it was the Aldersgate United Methodist Church. Okay. All right. <laughs> so, so anyway, so uh, she went back to her her bridge club or garden club. She belonged to both, uh, and told them, and they said, "Well, you need to get off of his back." And so she kind of did. I was kind of one of those people that, you know, I went to church simply because she wanted me to go. Yeah. I mean, at 16 years old, I said, went to her and said, uh, Mom, I, there's nothing in church for me. Uh, I don't care to go any longer. And she bawled and squalled and carried on to such an extent that it was easier for me to go to church than it was to to listen to her ball and squall and carry on. So I did. I went to church until the day I got married. Yeah. So uh, four years after we got married, we had our first child, a boy. And then a couple of years later, we had a girl. And it, it was too late for me. But I wanted to be able to, to give to them a God that I never knew. Yeah. And so I began searching. And I searched in all kinds of things. Um, as a youngster, I'd been given a revised standard version of the Bible. And so I would read in that. And I was a marker in my scriptures even back then, and I'd date it. And I, I occasionally go back to that Bible today, and I could say, oh, yeah, I could tell that I was really troubled on that date. Yeah. Something was going on, you know. And, uh, and so... But it began to feed things into me. You know, I, I took my, uh, my Gideon's Pocket Bible to work. And, and I was working as a mechanic in a, in a gas station at the time. And I'd spend every lunch hour reading in my revised standard version of the Bible, or the Pocket Gideon Bible. And so I was searching for something that I could give to them. Well, then I went to work for Dow Chemical Company a number of years later, uh, and I met a young man there who was a priest in the Restoration Movement, and we began talking about God. And we talked for a number of years before church or a church organization was ever mentioned. Yep. And so I began to say, hmm, that's something that I could embrace. And uh, talked to my wife at the time, and, and eventually we went and had cottage meetings. And we invited uh, this priest and his wife over to our house for dinner. And it took us probably six to eight months just to go through the Go Ye and Teach series of the, of the you know, the, that series that they were using. Yeah. Uh, because I ask a lot of questions, mm -hmm. digging, asking. We finished up with the Go Ye and Teach, and he said, well, they do have another series. Uh, we could go through that as well. And I said, okay. And so then we went through the Faith to Grow series. And again, it took us like six, eight months because I was questioning everything. And uh, finally we agreed and thought, well, okay, Let's, uh, you know, let's pray about this. And then the Mormon church came knocking. And so they began their series of things and uh, just got to a point where, no, I can't, I can't accept this. Yeah. And so um, one day 
the small congregation that, well, let's, let's back up a little bit. Uh, my son came down with a, a condition called Perthes hip. He was like kindergarten, maybe first grade. And it was extremely difficult for him to walk because it was like having hives in your hip socket. Mm. And so, you know, he couldn't get on the bus. He was crying. I mean, it was extremely painful. And so um, ended up putting him in the hospital. And this priest uh, said, well, do you want us to send some elders over? And I said, no. I says, I don't really know any elders of the church, but would you go to the hospital and pray for him? And he said, sure. So I was just coming on to shift and he was just getting off and, and he went into the hospital and prayed for him. He was healed. Hmm. Doctor came in the next morning. I don't know what happened. Uh, but he's got to stay another day. And if the conditions are the same, he can go home. So another year went by. Chad came down with Perthes hip again. Well, by this time, we joined the church, and I'll tell that story in a minute. But uh, this time I knew what the elders were all about. The elders came in, anointed him with oil, prayed for him, and same thing. Doctor comes in. I don't know what happened. He can go home. So we went home. So to back up to get to the point where I joined the church, we had a the, the small congregation in Sanford had a, uh, it was during the summer, and they were having a potluck or something out to the church campgrounds. And so I went out there, and I'm a long-haired hippie kid wearing an afro uh, going out there, and I'm the only one there because my wife had had to can pickles or something that day. So I went, and uh, we had this potluck. And afterwards, they went out to the point on the peninsula where they had a campfire and they had a cross up and they were talking about that. So they were sharing testimonies and sharing with one another. And make a long story short, the Lord spoke to me and said, uh, I'm willing to forgive you of your sins. I told him, I said, if you're willing to forgive me, of my sins, I'll serve you for the balance of my life. And uh, I did. We joined the church, and <laughs> the rest is history. And yet, you had thought, it's too late for you, but I want to get something for my kids. Yes. I guess it wasn't too late for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank it's, God for that. It's never too late. <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah. So it, I joined the church because of the kids. and uh, But yet, you know, there was a big side benefit of that whole thing. Oh, yeah. He took well, a benefit from me uh, or gave me a benefit and a, and a blessing that uh, to he, this day I'm grateful for. He healed your son not only because he loved your son, but because he loved you and he wanted to show you the way, yeah. that what he wanted you to do. And then that had trickle-down effect. It did. It had an effect on me because you came into the church. That had a huge effect. Uh, and on others. It's amazing what the Lord can do with us. Oh, yeah. In spite of our flaws or whatever, you know. That's Well, I've, I've described, when I'm looking at the condition of the church today, and I mean 
restoration, RLDS, LDS, but even Christianity we can throw in there just in general. But absolutely, I've described it, especially for restoration people, as being the wilderness experience. We're in the wilderness. How would you describe the current condition of the church or the, the many factions of the church that Joseph Smith once started? You know, I, I used the scripture before, and I'll say it again. Uh, well, first of all, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. Uh, I think that that's a, a key verse that oftentimes we need to pray about. And then something that I have said for years is that the truth will bear inspection. Yeah. And so, and because of my nature of wanting to question things, I got into trouble with church authorities quite frequently. I must have got that from you then. <laughs> <laughs> because I did question yeah. and I did search and I didn't just take people's word for it. Yeah. And I think that to a certain extent, the condition of the churches today is that one, we want, they, you know, people want to be right, but do we want to be just right with the church or do we want to be right with God? Yeah. And so it's okay to question, you know, Peter, James, and John, he took them to the Mount of Transfiguration because they asked him many questions concerning his sayings. Now, that's not found in the King James Version of the Bible. It's the inspired version. But that had a ring of truth to me that almost encouraged me to question. Yeah. And so just because the church said something in the Doctrine and Covenants, well, I began to search, and probably some through Dick Bauman that introduced me to Jack Ravel. Yeah. And so I got Jack Ravel's thing, and I go through it, and I'm saying all of these changes. Changes to the revelations. And people didn't want to accept them. Yeah. They liked the status quo. And here I was rocking the boat, yeah. questioning those things, which got me into trouble. And so, you know, I'd back off. And you were alone mostly in, in those questions. I was I'm alone. Guessing. Yeah. But you aren't anymore. No. And more and more people question. A young lady that we know, Suzanne. Yes. Just got baptized. And Hallelujah. Then, <laughs> yeah. And she got a baptism of the fire and the Holy Ghost driving home. And she was saying that she was here she heard the Spirit telling her, Come out of her, my people. Well, we're familiar with that scripture. Amen. The scripture is about coming out of Babylon. Yes. So it's interesting. Are the institutional churches, they can be essentially a part of Babylon, right? If Absolutely. We're just tradition and we're stuck and we just want to, we don't want the truth. We want what's comfortable to us to tell us, tell ourselves the same story. We're all in the right, perfect, true and good church. Everything is hunky-dory and we're better than everyone else, by the way. So that's even extra bonus points, you know. Uh, so we're celestial glory bound. Um, that's very comforting, I guess. It's comforting, but yeah, because but you want to be right. Until you find out that it's not right, and so then you, it's not comforting anymore. That's correct. And then there's only one comfort after that that I can tell. 
Only one. That's be right with God. Well, you know, and I've said for years, and I, I continue to say it because I believe it with all my heart. God only wants two things. A relationship with you as a person and as an individual. And our relationship with other people. Yeah. Those are the only two things he cares about. Love God and love one another. Love God and love one another. You know, and and and, and, and so how do we how do we love God? Well, it's very easy and very flippant to be able to say, Well, I love God. But if we don't keep his commandments, if we don't keep his sayings, if we don't follow him, yeah. we don't really love God, it's just lip service. We just have religion. We have religion. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what have you been up to in the last five, ten years? What's the Lord got you doing? Uh, study, study, study. It's okay. one of the biggest things that I've been doing. Uh, because I've been felt like I've been in the wilderness, really. Yeah. I mean, you know, particularly after my second divorce, uh, because I felt so unworthy, and yet I know that God was was calling to me. And I continued. I had been running a home church in Upper Michigan for a number of years, and I continued to do that, um, even though they knew that I had relinquished any priesthood credentials. Um, my wife says I'm a good teacher. Okay, I'll... I don't know whether that's true or not. She says that I am. Uh, and so I like to teach. Um, I currently attend a non-denominational church in Traverse City, Michigan, or Grand, Michigan. Nobody knows where Grand is at. It's like they don't know where, you know, Farmington Hills in Detroit is at. Exactly. Uh, so I continue to do that. Um, and currently teach... A group of about 12 men, which I found that number to be interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, and yet, because of the conditions there, I can't bring anything up about the restoration. Yeah. And so, you know, I sneak it in. Uh, you know, like I did 15 years worth of prison ministry. And so we'd talk about probation and the prisoners just loved it. Yeah, but if Book of Mormon, the, that we, we our life is a probation. Yeah, and but yet if I'd have brought that up as coming out of the Book of Mormon, yeah, I'd we'd have killed the prison ministry. Yeah, I mean they'd have kicked us right out. So, you know, I have found over the years whether I'm doing a funeral for a non-member, a family, and all that that you can inject those truths, mm -hmm. and the people the Holy Spirit will bear witness of those yeah. truths without having to identify that it came from the Book of Mormon. Yeah, we don't need to convert people to the Book of Mormon. Absolutely The not. Book of Mormon came to convert to Christ, and it's full of truth. It's the truth that's important. And yes. I've had that same experience, uh, Jennifer and I, with uh, evangelical um, Christians all through Kansas City area, and, and we worship with them. And the Lord will just have me speak scriptures and things right out of the Book of Mormon many times. And never does someone ever, and these people know their Bible. Yeah. They know it better than I do. I mean, they got everything memorized, just, you know. And yet I'll speak a, a verse right out of the Book of Mormon. And 
the Holy Spirit will just be present among us and they will be, amen, that's the word of the Lord. And that's all they'll say. They'll never say, where did you find that at? That's right. I keep waiting for that to happen. But every time when the Holy Spirit leads me to share some truth, there's no question. They all feel it. They, You can feel the spirit of truth within them knows the truth when it when they hear it. Oh, absolutely. You know. The prisoners are the same way. Yeah. I mean, some of those prisoners, you mentioned that, you know, some of these people know their Bible backwards. and Some of these prisoners that we worked with. Yeah. I mean, they knew their scriptures inside and out. I mean, if you've got, you know, 24 hours a day to study your scriptures, yeah. year after year after year. That's all you got to do. Uh, they knew it. <laughs> but the same thing occurred. Yeah. You mentioned, you know, some of these foundational truths, they don't even ask. The spirit of the living God reveals the truth to them. And that's that's the important thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to skip this question because I don't want to. I don't want to ensnare you. So I'm going. To... <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Answer this however you want to. Then is priesthood a thing? <laughs> you know, when we get back to the Book of Mormon, excuse me, not the Book of Mormon, but the Book of Revelations, and we realize that we're all priests after the holy order of the Son yeah. of God. That truth needs to be a revealed truth yeah. to each individual because of our traditions and because of our, 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 I suppose, basically traditions, and yet the differences between men and women. You know, if you were to ask somebody today to for a woman to baptize somebody, you probably have a tough time making that sell sure but yet they hold an equal priesthood in the eyes of god as any man and so that's a revelation really that i think even needs to pervade our entire walk with the lord and to bring us back onto a, a position where you know the gifts of the spirit are, are free to be done among men women and children without causing uh, I don't know what consternation I guess yeah in in the membership yeah now it's going to but it's a struggle that we're in the wilderness it's a struggle that we need to go through to learn to the fact that God can use he can use a donkey he can use me <laughs> if he can use a donkey he can use men yeah. women or children children yep. and we need not to re reject that yeah so i think that overall that suppresses the growth of the kingdom and kingdom principles yeah for sure you know that you're having to wrestle with dead religion when people men women children are not allowed to actually work in the gifts of the spirit which are to the body of christ not just yeah. to not just to certain men that are maybe in a, a certain role of ministry, servanthood ministry. Um, and that's the crazy part, that we have fallen so far away from scripturally the Church of Christ. Yeah. As he set it up that we can't, a woman can't prophesy. That, you know, people can't speak in tongues without uh, people 
getting ready to run out of the building or something. You know, it, it's crazy. People can't lay hands on the sick. Yeah, you can't lay hands on the sick. That's only elders can do that. And yet we have in all three books of Scripture, including Doctrine Covenants, that the laying on of hands is one of the gifts of the Spirit for the believers. Yes. Um, and it's something different than the elders laying on hands, you know. Um, yeah, well, you know, I appreciate you sharing that. One thing I um, noticed is in your testimony, you stepped away from official, what we would call priesthood, right? You stepped away from it. You turned in your card. Um, I think that was offered you back again. It was. You did not accept it. I don't know if this is a worthiness thing, but here's the interesting part. You've stayed away from accepting or, or walking in or proclaiming or even having any evidence of idea that you're in this priesthood of the restoration. And yet, your ministry never ended. And your best ministry has been done absent that sort of credentials and uh, recognition. And my, in my mind, and what I've seen, okay, and I think others see that too, uh, you have a broken heart and a contrite spirit is what it is. And God can use people like that. God needed to break my heart. I mean, that's... I mean, for the last year, I've had... I, I love to play pickleball. And I mean, I played pickleball for four hours a day, five days a week. And played hard at it. You don't do anything half-hearted. <laughs> no. <laughs> and so I did. Well, uh, I had three major surgeries. And at the end of those three major surgeries, uh, I had zero energy. I mean, I could hardly walk across the floor without being totally drained. But yet I, I, was, I was studying. Yeah. And God revealed to me that, um, one, he wasn't done with me yet. Yeah. Because I was told that I should be in a nursing home with the types of surgery and everything that I had. And I should be in a nursing home and having others totally take care of me. Well, God has blessed me richly. Yeah. I mean, that's just... And yet he did use me richly in when I was, you know, a priest and an elder and a 70 and an apostle. I mean, he did use me in those yeah. areas. But I felt a difference this time. Because he said, you know, almost like I had to put you on your back to realize that uh, the important thing in this life is me, number one. Mm -hmm. But um, am I keeping my eyes single to the glory of God? Or have I allowed Babylon to enter in to such an extent that it's stolen away my ability to be able to minister as he would want me to minister. And it took putting me on my back, basically, to hear the voice of the Lord say that. Yeah. And it was a, it, like everything, it has to be a revelation to you as an individual of what you're allowing Babylon to take away from your ministry to steal. And I told my wife, I said, you know, I maybe I'll never play pickleball ever again. 
You know, I bought the equipment. I bought associate equipment. I paid for lessons. I wait a minute. I mean, he's done that before me with before because I played volleyball mm -hmm. and I played volleyball hard. You know, and uh, took taking that away from me. Yeah. To to get to the point where I realized that those things are stealing us away from. God's service. So keep your eye. I mean, that, that verse has just permeated me and continues to work on to me this day. I mean, you have your eyes single to the glory of God. And it's pretty easy to, to justify anything that you're doing yeah. to make it fit. Yeah. But that's not what God's asking for. Amen. He's asking for total consecration of our very lives. Um, I know we're going to have to probably can't go on too much longer, but I got a couple more questions yet. Um, the people that are realize that their church institution and their church leaders are failing them, and it's not really. It's not what they're really desiring and craving inside. Any counsel you would give to those who have found themselves disappointed in the church, uh, what they're what they should do. First of all, it's hard to leave because you've developed relationships with people. You're you feel like you've been betrayed, yeah. uh, and that hurts. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but in the hurting process, that's also the breaking. And, you know, when I first came into the church, I said, I am a raw chunk of clay. And it's very rough. There's a lot of rough edges. And yet, I said to the Lord, I said, I want you to take me and mold me and shape me into the tool that you want. Not that I want, but that you want. And every time he knocked off one of those rough edges, it was hard. It hurt. But as I step back with, a, a say, a, a historical perspective, I liked the person that I was becoming. Yeah. Wasn't easy. So it was almost to the point where he said, I want you to embrace it. Wow, that's hard. And... Even the last thing still hurt. But from the historical perspective, again, he's molding me and shaping me into the tool he wants. And I like it. And so, while I hate to say that I want to embrace the knocking off of those rough edges, in a perverted sense, yeah. I do. Yeah, I do. And so... If you're looking at those things, realize that it will hurt. Embrace it because God's working with you through it. Yeah. People sometimes have to give up, you know, a lot of friends, but also family that are going to be uh, disappointed and feel like you are, you know, the devil has got a hold of you and is stealing oh. your testimony and all this. That's rough. That's, That's hard rough. To, hard to go through with that. Um, 
I guess in the end, I guess we all need to look at uh, Father Abraham <laughs> and look yeah. at he left family, home, everything he knew, his entire people, his whole civilization, and follow this this one God out into the wilderness to wherever he would lead him. That's Maybe that's where we all have to be here in these last days for him to use us, is we just have to be able to step out, leave everything behind. Not only leaving everything behind, but you're stepping away from one thing and stepping towards something, another. Yeah. And that's what Abraham did. Yeah. You know, that's why they call him the father of faith. There's a promise. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, and, and I think something else that probably needs to be really said is that in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. And many times in the restoration movement, we heard one word. And we embraced that because we wanted it to be true. But it didn't hold up to that standard of two or three witnesses. And I think that that's one of those fundamental truths. You know, don't be afraid to question, but, you know, two or three witnesses is critical. Amen. Uh, another random possibly get you in trouble question that you don't have to answer. Uh, last one. Uh, Tell me about the baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost. Oh. Do you have to receive that from the church? Absolutely not. No, I'd rather go walking out in the woods in the middle of the woods and be driven to my knees uh, by the presence of the Holy Spirit because I go and ask Him. Uh, some people have a dynamic moving experience i suppose that i could say that i've had a couple of those but through the years i still question um and maybe because i keep going to the lord and saying i want more yeah uh want more want more want more you know more of you and less of me um ask seek and knock Man. You know, the thing that I'm still looking for, and as we discussed yesterday, uh, you know, we read in the scriptures about the power that was all exhibited with the, you know, the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I've seen it occasionally. Mm -hmm. I don't what I don't say that I see it day by day, moment by moment. Uh times but yet god said i'll never leave you or forsake you even in my darkest moments yeah. as i look back he was there and so you know while i want more and hunger for more i gotta trust him in his timing Amen. well the last question i guess i'll ask um because you are my mentor and have been for many years and uh, still many of the teachings that the Lord taught you, you have taught me and they have served me. Spiritually speaking, uh, what counsel or advice would you give me at this point? I remember back as... Uh, 
16-year-old boy coming to me and saying, I want to be your counselor. I want to be your confidant. I want to, to, to walk with you because I know that you're alone, quote-unquote. I want to be there. You have been. What I would say to you, continue to hunger and thirst after righteousness, my friend. You've changed over the years, your positions on things, and I've seen those firsthand, uh, you know, speaking against me with my, you know, discoveries about the doctrine and covenants and the changes there and said, oh, no, 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 no. You know, we're going to go along with the church to having you do a 180, mm -hmm. you know, and saying, oh, wait a minute, maybe there's some more to this than what meets the eye. Goes back to that seed planting. Oh, the seed Gotta planting. Give time, yeah, <laughs> for the you Lord know. to germinate that thing. And so, <laughs> continue to hunger and thirst after yeah. righteousness. Okay. Continue to hunger and thirst after truth. I said when I first came into the church, I said, I'm willing to go where the truth leads me, and I don't care what it, you know, family, friends, whatever. I have to leave behind in order to do that. So continue to hunger and truth after the purchase. Don't be afraid to ask your questions and hunger and thirst after righteousness and truth. Good and continue that. And don't be afraid of the rough edges <laughs> yeah. that are going to get embrace them. Yeah. 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 Don't fear what God has planned, whatever it is. Because I, there's coming the day when God is going to take us to the Mount of Transfiguration. There's yeah. coming a day when you and I will fulfill the vision that we had years ago to minister together in the same location. I don't know when it's going to be or how it's going to manifest itself, <laughs> but I look forward to that day. Yeah, me too. That was... Uh... A vision where there was no fear, only, only the love of God. It had no care for our, our lives. It didn't matter if we were going to be martyred, tortured. None of it mattered. In the, in the vision, it was just the pain in our heart for those people who had nothing of the love of God in, in their heart any longer. And, and that caused me to weep. And, uh, but as far as our lives, they were in the Lord's hands and he could deliver us or bring us home. Didn't matter. And that is not me today quite. I'd like to think I am, but probably not if I was put to the test. Um, but I know that he can bring us to that point. And that really is a transfiguration and a change that can take place. So... Yeah, he has his work, and I. One thing I know is I, I can't do it. I can't get myself there, but I know he can get us there. So I look forward to it too. Yeah, well, I appreciate it, brother. <laughs> Love you. Love you too. Thank you for agreeing to to do this. So. Well, I don't know if I had anything to offer, but you have a lot to offer. <laughs> so much more than we could ever record. Yeah. But, all right. Well, God bless you. you.